Amen. Amen. Great job, team. Great job, Wheeler girls. Amen. God is so good. Thank you, David. David played those keys today so beautifully, didn't he? Good job, man. Before we dig into the word, I just want to say hello to all of our newest members here today. It's such a blessing to have you in the room. You know, we always say at the exchange that you belong before you believe. So no matter where you're at in your journey, um, I, I hope you understand that there is no pressure when you walk through these doors onto this campus to be anything other than exactly who you are before the Lord because he loves you and he values you so much. And God has a plan for you. And we are so excited to be in this journey with you to see how that unfolds. Now, maybe some of you are ready to take that next step in connecting with the Exchange Church, if it's your first time or second time. Maybe you've been here. Uh, I just saw someone walking in. When I was walking in, I saw someone that's been with us for a few months, finally filling out their connection card, and I'm so grateful for that. But in your seat is a red card. It's a connection card, if you will fill that out today. It's our way to get to know you. We want to make space in every service for that because at the exchange, we're a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And for us to be in this journey together, we have to know who you are. So we promise not to bombard your uh, email or call you nonstop or ask you to deliver the pastor dinner or anything like that. Uh, But we do just want to connect with you. So drop that off as you exit today to the information desk out front. Church, can we give our new faces a warm welcome this morning? A lot of guests today. We are in our legacy series talking about the generous nature of God and how that generosity produces a legacy. And so over these these several weeks, this, this course of teaching... Uh, I'm not specifically talking about finances and giving, though the Bible has a lot to say about that. Uh, Instead, I'm talking about the nature and the DNA of God and his generosity. I mentioned last week that at the end of the month, we were going to have a one-time sacrificial offering, our annual offering that we do every uh, year. I misspoke, though. That's actually in September. Uh, So you have more time to plan and prepare and set aside for that. What we are going to do, though, this month is we're offering um, an opportunity for you guys to build a legacy through generosity by helping us get students to camp. Two years ago, we began to raise money and, um, you know, plan for going to camp. Our students were super excited. It's in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, the cost was $700, which actually isn't a lot. I, it sounds like a lot, but considering that covers your airfare, your hotel, most of your food, the conference, uh, and beach time, you know, that's a really great deal. However, even as much of a great deal as it is, that can be hard for a family with two kids, three kids, four kids that want to go. And so over the next you know, few weeks, as we're building legacy, talking about the generosity of God, if you want to contribute towards a camp scholarship, you can do that at any point, going online or secure give or even putting it in the barrel uh, at some point throughout today's service or the following weeks. Just in the memo, write Camp Legacy. Everybody say that with me, Camp Legacy. Yes, thank you very much. Now, 
For those of you who have kids and you're like, well, my kid wasn't here two years ago. This is 6th through 12th grade, and they might want to go, but gee, 700, that sounds a lot. Uh, sounds like a lot for a camp that's in f- six weeks. Well, listen, let me just challenge you because that's carnal thinking. That's carnal thinking because if the Lord wants your student to encounter him in Daytona Beach, Florida, he will get that $700 into your lap to be able to pay for it, right? No one's making a profit on this. We're just paying expenses. So if you want your kid to go, our church is going to rally together. We always have. We've never, ever left a kid home and said, I'm sorry, we can't afford to get you to camp. That's never happened. And so if you want to go, let us know. Amen? All right, let's get to our sermon today because it's a good one. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and I want to testify to the generosity of God by way of Pentecost today. Is that all right? The title of my message is Generous Power. Generous Power. Will you please stand to your feet? We're going to read the Word of God. Our text comes from Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 through 8. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Check this next verse out. Pay close attention and being assembled together with them. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Look at your neighbor, say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for our time together, Lord. God, I I just ask for your manifest presence to fill this place. God, I thank you for your omnipresence that is covering the earth. God, I thank you for your inner presence that is within us. But God, I ask that over the next 27 minutes that we would just encounter the manifest presence of you. God, I just thank you that over the next 28 minutes, the cancer is going to be healed in the name of Jesus. Diabetes is going to be healed in the name of Jesus. Bipolar depression, schizophrenia is going to be healed in the name of Jesus. God, we just call it call it what it is, and we know that the name of Jesus is above every other name. So Holy Spirit, we just give you full permission today to make yourself known among us. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say amen, amen. Before you sit down, say hello to someone, fist bump, high five, do whatever it is you do these days, and then you may be seated.
Pentecost. Pentecost. I know it sounds like a scary word if you are familiar with the term Pentecostal. Yeah? How many of you are familiar with the term Pentecostal? Oh, good. A lot of us. But none of you flinched. That means you're used to us. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not Pentecostal, quote, denomination. But we are, uh, as some would say, we like to have church. Amen. And uh, this is Pentecost. This is the day of Pentecost. And I want to talk about that today. It's a Pentecost festival uh, back in the Old Testament was known as the Feast of Weeks. And it was a celebration of the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai 50 days after Passover. Now, Passover in the Old Testament is not Jesus dying on a cross. Passover in the Old Testament is when they put blood on the doorpost. Are you following me? So 50 days after the blood on the doorpost, that Passover, then the law was given on Mount, Mount Sinai. Now, Pentecost in the New Testament is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So we are now sitting on 50 days after what in the, the American church we call Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Uh, so today would be 50 days after that. Now, Jesus died. Jesus rose again on the third day. And the timeline after that gets a little bit tricky, but I'm going to break it down to you. We, we do know for sure that Jesus was on earth 40 days after he resurrected, okay? For 40 days, he was going around showing himself to his disciples, to people in the town. Uh, when he resurrected, he, he resurrected a whole group of people that showed themselves in the city. I mean, this was a, a miraculous feat that couldn't be denied. Now, how do I know that Jesus rose again from the grave and that he was here for 40 days after? Because the Bible tells me so. But that's not good enough for some of us in the room that have not yet looked to the Bible as your ultimate authority. So let me go one step further. There is a Jewish historian born in 37 AD-ish. Uh, he was born about four years after the resurrection of J Jesus. His name is Josephus. Josephus is not a Christian, was not a Christian. He is one of the most reputable historians of that time, of the first century. He was, he, he's Josephus. Like, we think in the church, well, Paul, he's Paul, right? This is Josephus. Josephus had established a name for himself, credibility. Uh, he's one of the greatest historians of all time. Josephus, not a Christian, also confirms that Jesus was seen around town after the crucifixion for 40 days. So we see in biblical record as well as secular record that this, this is true. There was, there was 40 days. And then there was a period of time. Uh, we don't know exactly how many days before Pentecost. I mean, the math seems simple enough. 40 plus 10 equals 50. Uh, but he rose on the third day. Uh, so that's minus 3. 50 minus 3 is 47. He was here for 40 days. Um, so about seven days later, about an eighth day. By the way, if you Google in your Bible, is Google in the Bible? <laughs> if you Google about an eighth day, there are some pretty amazing things that happen in Scripture. About an eighth day after Jesus had ascended 
uh, the disciples are then sitting in a room. Now, I hope you see this, this because the Word of God is amazing. It, it's written over, you know, many generations by many authors, and they don't contradict. In fact, to go a step further, they even support one another in brilliant ways that we haven't even known until recently in the history of humanity. We're seeing more and more how the Bible is absolutely 100% authored by the Creator. You see, the Pentecost of old happened 50 days after Passover. Moses went on the mountain, and Scripture says that 3,000 died that day. When Moses came down with the the law written on tablets of stone, 3,000 men were slain. But then in the New Testament, we see that on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus resurrected, the law of God was written on tablets of flesh. And 3,000 were born again that day. They were added to the church. This is amazing. I, I personally am glad I'm on this side of the power, right? Not on the 300 dying side, on the, or the 3,000. Did I say 300? 3,000 dying on the 3,000 living. I'm glad to be on this side of power. Anybody with me this morning? Come on, if you're glad to be on this side of power, turn to your neighbor and say power. If you're watching online, I want you to type in the chat power. If you're glad to be on this side of power. I am so glad that Jesus had to go. I mean, people all the time say, it would just be nice if Jesus were here and I could see him and I could touch him. No, because only one Jesus goes so far. He can't get to all of our houses this week for dinner. But he said, if I go, then I will send someone who you can access because power of God is generous and available to all who believe. Amen? All right, good, good. So Jesus... He pulled his disciples together. Imagine this. Imagine this for a moment. These guys, these chaps, had spent three years with him. They had, they, had, they had hiked together, camped out together, made fish on a campfire together. He had, he had trained them. He had coached them. He had rebuked them and corrected them. He had, he had connected them. He had done all of these things for three years. And, and Jesus, as he's leaving, he calls them together and he says, Listen to me, I, w- I want you to not go anywhere and not do anything. I- I'm about to leave, but don't do anything. I know you've been trained, but I don't want you to go and heal the sick. I know you've been You've been connected, but I don't want you to go and baptize anyone. I, I know that, that you understand the miracles. You've even worked some miracles. You saw the bread and, and the fish. But listen, I don't want you to roll up on any Long John Silvers anytime soon. I want you to just sit still and not move until the promise comes your way. Now, That tells me right off the bat that it really wasn't anything about principle because they had the knowledge. For three years, they had learned it all. Jesus had imparted in them. So so we can see and tell from this, it's not about principle. It's about power. What they lacked was power. God wants to give us more than hope today. He wants to give us help. And that helper, we're going to talk about him. Amen. In John chapter 14, 16 through 17, 
I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit, this this power that we're talking about, is to be a help to you. Jesus is our hope. The Holy Spirit is our help. And and Jesus is important. By the way, the helper is the the third part of the Trinity. What did I say? The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. If If you don't understand how all that meshes, let me just explain. Some people explain it as an egg. An eggshell, you've got the egg yolk and the egg white, and it's all, it's, it's all one egg, right? Did I say that right? Eggshell, yolk, white, three parts, one egg. Yeah, it's a good analogy. It's fine, it's sufficient, has its problems. You can crack it. Here's another example I like. I'm one tray. I'm a father to my kids. I'm a son to my dad. I'm a husband to my wife. There are three facets of me that I operate in at any given point of the day or time in my life, but it's still, it's still me, right? And you can't separate Trey the husband from Trey the father or Trey the son from Trey the husband, right? Three in one. The Holy Spirit is the third part of that trinity. Now, Jesus is important, Right? Jesus is so important. I would even say Jesus is the main dish, but Jesus isn't the only dish. You've got God the Father who creates, the Son who redeems, and the Spirit who empowers. You see, Jesus is responsible for getting you into heaven, but Holy Spirit is responsible for getting heaven into you. You see, Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit gave birth to Jesus? That's what the Bible says. It, 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 you remember the angel visits Mary and she says, Oh, but Lord, how can this be since I have never been with a man? Right? And the angel says, The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit gave life to Jesus. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. This is some power that maybe you've been lacking in your life. I need you to understand that the Holy Spirit will cause you to birth some things in your life that you could not birth on your own. I know you've been trying to fix the relationship. You've been trying to repair the kids. You've been trying to get rid of that addiction. I know, been there, done that. Like I got the t-shirt and then burned it. And then I decided to let Holy Spirit come on board and birth something inside of me that my flesh could not. Now, let me just say something real quick. Our carnal mind, our flesh, can sometimes want good things. But even in our flesh wanting good things, we need the power of God to birth God things. So Jesus was born of the Spirit, but wait, there's more. The Spirit was also part of the baptism of Jesus, too. Do you remember that story? (laughs) Oh, Man, Matthew 3, 16 through 17, so good. Jesus is getting baptized. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, 
This is my son. I can't do it. I don't have a deep voice. This is my <laughs> Saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If you could just imagine Sean Connery in that moment. Jesus gets baptized. The Holy Spirit is engaged. And there's a proclamation of who Jesus is. His identity was affirmed when the Spirit was released. His identity was affirmed when the Spirit was released. Some people don't have their identity. Some people are, are having to read magazines to understand their identity or having to go uh, to other people outside of themselves to find out who they really are. You don't know your identity when you're not walking in the Spirit of God. But it doesn't just birth things in you. It doesn't just release identity. The Spirit of God, the power of God that I'm talking about today, it leads you. Leads you. It leads you. It leads you. It takes all the pressure off. It leads you. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was filled and he was led. He was full of, so he was led by. You will always be led by what you are full of. If you are full of negativity, it will lead you. If you are full of rage, it will lead you. If you are full of unbelief, it will lead you. If you are full of sadness, it will lead you. If you are full of sexual perversion, it will lead you. If you are full of alcohol and drugs, it will lead you. If you are full of bitterness, it will lead you. If you are full of emotions, they will lead you. Are you... You following me? You following where I'm leading you today? What you are full of, it will lead you. Now, it's okay to feel your emotions. I'm not at all advocating for you to shut down the emotion factory. I, I am an emotional guy. Ask my wife. Sometimes she looks at me and says, why are you crying? I'm not afraid of emotions. I embrace them. It's all right to feel your emotion. But don't be filled with your emotion. Because what you are filled with, it will lead you. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit today. Amen? He will lead you. He wants to be your developer. Holy Spirit wants to be your developer. Paul said that if we would judge ourselves, there would be no need for anyone else to judge us. The Holy Spirit will cause us to do some self-correcting. Can I get a good amen from anybody who was about to say something and Holy Spirit said, Psh. somebody typed that paragraph on social media and Holy Spirit said, delete it, right? Holy Spirit will, <laughs> he will develop you and he will cause some self-correcting to happen so that others don't have to correct you. Or even worse, life won't have to correct you. He also wants to be our director. Our director. You know, your sixth sense, your spidey sense. 
that kind of lets you know, don't go down that hole, right? It, it kind of it shows you promptings and gives you insight that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. You would not have known on your own whenever the Holy Spirit wants to direct you. He just drops these little hints, these little nudges into your life. The director, Holy Spirit, will say, check on that person. Give them a call. He'll say things like, buy now, sell now. He'll say things like, hold your peace now. He wants to lead us. He wants to be our developer. He wants to be our director. Listen, this power that I'm talking to you about today, it's not just that Jesus was born of the Spirit, not that he was baptized by the Spirit or led by the Spirit. Here's, here's another one you got to get today. He was anointed by the Spirit. Anointed. He was smeared. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Look at your neighbor say, I am anointed. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The anointing, man, is the X factor. It's the X factor. Gifts will make us impressive, but the anointing will make us impactful. We see this happen in Acts chapter 10, 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. So Peter was speaking whatever he had prepared. I'm sure he had typed it up, did a spell check, printed it out. He pulled it out of his back pocket. Peter was preaching a good word, but there was an anointing that fell. While he was still exercising his gift, there was an anointing that filled the room. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. That's exactly what I've been praying for this service, by the way. That as I just talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, some of you start to notice that neck moves a little better. Some of you notice that that knee is a little stronger. Some of you notice that you can breathe a little bit better. Wait a minute. Nobody even put their hands on me or spit in my face to pray. All of a sudden, I just feel different because that's what the anointing does. The anointing shows up whenever people come together and the word is being shared and God is being elevated. And even though we're using our gifts, and there were some magnificent gifts on this platform today, but they would all mean nothing if it wasn't anointed. It's a difference maker. The anointing is what takes your good idea and makes it a God idea. My mother-in-law, Gail Beck, who recently relocated to heaven, she had issues with her fingers for years. I don't know, maybe decades. I don't, I, it's a very long time. Her fingernails would go up because there was skin, extra skin that was developing under her nails. It looked like, if I were to just give it a word, it wasn't warts, but it looked like warts under her fingernails. It looked painful. Maybe is there something else I can relate it to so they can get a visual, right? Her fingernails were up, poked up, and just skin was just collecting, and it was very thick. And she went to the doctor multiple times over a course of many years. They wanted to put her on chemo for it. They didn't know what it was. They wanted to, I think they 
wanted to pour acid over it. Um, they did tried several remedies that were very painful. And over 10 years ago, my wife, very anointed woman of God, began to pray about it and asked the Lord for a solution. Now, she went to Texas A&M University, but she didn't major in biology or medicine. She majored in education, but she prayed about it. She knows a God who knows a solution. And so she prayed for years, and then we moved here in 2010. My wife has gotten into gardening and plants and all kinds of great stuff that I love to eat. And she's taking classes to become an herbalist. And, you know, she just believes very much that God has placed everything in the earth for us to be healed with. And she created this solution from comfrey. It's a comfrey plant, and it's comfrey oil. She now has a, a business that she does. But she said, Mom, why don't you, why don't you try this? Her mom tried that comfrey oil, and would you know, within a matter of a week or two, her nails were completely healed. For years, she had been going to doctors, trying to get it fixed, but because the anointing of God rests on a woman who loves plants, God was able to get a solution into the hands of Miss Gail Beck. Amen? It will take your good idea to a God idea. Do you want to be impressive or impactful, church? He was born by the Spirit, baptized by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit. Can I, can I do one more today? One more today. He was resurrected by the Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your earth mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In you. Not just in the preacher. Not just in the worship leader. Not just in the greeter. In you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He lives within you. And there's coming a day, I happen to believe it's uber soon. There's coming a day when the trumpet will sound. And that Holy Spirit that is now inside of you, just as it did 2,000 years ago, to a Messiah laying in a grave, it is going to convert your human flesh and bones and transform you instantly into a spiritual being to be rescued up out of this place. I don't know when that's going to happen, but here's what I do know. When the Holy Spirit all across the world in one moment transforms a generation through his power. I just want to know what happens to the electric grids. You know, this is not in my notes, but I have time to rabbit trail real quick. You know, the shroud of Turin, Turin the shroud, the shroud of Turin. It has the impression of Jesus. It's what Jesus' body was wrapped in when he was in the grave. It has the facial like impression of Jesus. Scientists have determined that that kind of imprint can only be done with a nuclear reaction. Nuclear reaction. So I don't know what's going to happen when that day comes and millions of people 
encounter a nuclear reaction from the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, that's inside me. Yes, it's inside you. It's going to transform you just as it did Jesus. You know, if we don't, um, if we don't walk in power, how should I say? If we don't walk in power, we will find that we will stay dead in places that the Lord wants to resurrect. The Spirit enables you to recover from what others die in. Now, I'm not talking about a physical death, though I do believe that the Lord heals. Can I get an amen? I believe that. I'm speaking to your spirit today. I'm not, I'm not even speaking to your doubt or your unbelief. I'm speaking to the spirit man that is within you right now. And I, I want to remind your spirit man to rise up in this day and in this season because the Holy Spirit wants to enable you to recover from what others die in. Hear me. Some people's joy died in some things this past year, but joy has a resurrection. Some people's confidence died in that last failure, but confidence has a resurrection. Someone's peace died in the pandemic, but peace has a resurrection. Someone's faith died in racial conflict this year, but faith has a resurrection. Someone's faithfulness died in the land of lack this year, but faithfulness has a resurrection. The Spirit will resurrect you from places that others remain dead. And because God is so generous and his legacy is so long, it's offered to you today. If we don't walk in power, you know what happens? We become walking in insufficient Christianity, less than what God intends for us to be. The Holy Spirit takes you from Neutral to fifth gear. The Holy Spirit takes you from wilderness to Canaan. The Holy Spirit takes you from sleepless nights to waking up rested. The Holy Spirit gives you life, the abundant life, the John 10, 10 life. But some of us won't walk in power. The Apostle Paul described it in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5 as having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Is that you today? Do you have a form of godliness, but you're denying its power? The infilling of the Holy Spirit is, is not so much of how much can I get of the Holy Spirit. It's how much can the Holy Spirit get of you? It's possible. It is possible to have a relationship with God without ever experiencing this power. Some of you are thinking, but I'm saved and going to heaven, right? Yeah, I, you may be, yeah. You can actually know Jesus as your Savior and never step into the power of the Holy Ghost. We see it in scripture, so we know that it must be true. In the book of Acts chapter 8, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, 
Some of us today have received the word of God. You are a believer in the word of God, a believer in Jesus. When they received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon them, upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So you can know God and not know the power of the Holy Ghost. But why would you want to? All of these things that I just said happened to Jesus as a result of the interaction with Holy Spirit, the birthing, the identity, the resurrection. All of these things are for you today to live a victorious life in 2021 when there's a ridiculous pandemic and people are afraid to touch each other or hug and maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you're afraid of your health, afraid for your health. Like it's a crazy time, church. But circumstances don't dictate our power. Why do we need it? We need it because Jesus says, once we get it, we will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Will you stand to your feet? How many of you want to be a witness for the Lord to the ends of the earth? Just wave at me. You want to be a witness for the Lord. Yeah? Okay. Take note of this moment because I'm going to define what witness means. It means martyr. Witness is translated as martyr. It doesn't just mean saying hashtag blessed. It doesn't just mean throwing out a God bless you when someone sneezes. Being a witness for the Lord is you saying, I'm willing to lay down my life for the cause of Christ, whether I live or whether I die. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Whether it costs me a little or it costs me a lot. But guess what? Here's the good news, church. Here's the good news for us all today. No matter what it costs us to follow Jesus, we have a promise that there is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us, empowers us to do all that he's called us to do. Pastor, how do I get it? How do I get it? How do I, how do I get more of the, this power that you're talking about? The Holy Spirit is made manifest in our life by surrender. Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. I know you had already tried to create a checklist of what you could do to get more of God, but you can't. You need to do less. Less making a way for yourself. Less trusting in your own intelligence or your own wallet or your own education. You need to surrender more. Surrender more to God. And as we surrender, 
more to him and we say, Lord, just fill me. God, just fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Transform my life. When we ask, he is sure to deliver. So if that's you today and you just you want to be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God that produces all of these things in our life, if that's you, just go ahead and place your hand on your heart. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, you are so generous with your power. God, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't always make sense how you so desperately want to partner with us, how you value us so deeply, how you treasure our opinions our abilities, our faults, and our fears. Somehow, God, you have managed to make yourself available to us. So right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask you, Father, for the gift that you said is freely available to us. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. If there's anyone in the room who has had a form of godliness but denied its power, they've gone through the motions of religion, yet they haven't tapped into the relationship of a God who knows their name. And you're ready to take that step to know the full presence of God, the full power of God, the full spirit of God. All you got to do is right now say, yes, Lord, that's me. Fill me. The mysteries of God are so simple. Fill me. So God, I just thank you that as a result of this moment, this tender, sweet moment in your presence, the people are going to wake up in the middle of the night finding themselves healed. People are going to wake up tomorrow morning and do their blood work and find that they're healed. God, I just thank you that within 24 hours, the phone calls are going to start rolling in of reconciliation in the name of Jesus because you want to birth some new things in us. Father, I thank you for the person in the room or the people in the room who have lost hope that that is now birthed within them in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For anyone watching online or in the room and you've not yet said yes to Jesus, first step is knowing God, and it's just so simple. You see, Jesus really did. He really did live on this earth, born of a virgin, literally. That's not a figure of speech. It's not an allegory. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose again on the third day so that you and I can be in relationship with heaven. And if you're ready to say yes today, it's as simple as saying this prayer. Church, will you just repeat this after me? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need you. I believe that Jesus 
died on a cross for me. I believe that Jesus rose again. I believe that Jesus is coming back for his bride. I say yes to you, Lord. Let my life count. Let the kingdom flow through me. Let me see heaven on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning? If you just said yes to Jesus for the first time, uh, I want you to text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1220. Listen, church, this is your week for more power. Do you believe it? More power, more power, more power in Jesus' name. All right, service is over, but church is not. Go be the church. We love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday, 1030 a.m. God bless you.